name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. What a day! What a day! Thank you, choir. Thank you, Mary Carol. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, there was there was once um, this this sage um, who said, "This is like deja vu all over again." And it's not Delmer Chilton, but I know Delmer knows Yogi Berra, and Yogi Berra was known for those, those really funny things where you say something that's really profound um, and, and funny and everything, and you don't even mean it. Uh, I think Peter does one of those things today, like really not knowing what to say up on the mountain because something just kind of bedazzled him. Um, we've heard these words before that we hear today. Um, today is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, the season of of revealing who Jesus is, that child born in Bethlehem, who Jesus is. That's the season of Epiphany, revealing who he is. And now that final, ultimate kind of revelation of him on the mountain, right? And then he says, follow me, and they go off, and he's going to Jerusalem, right? To complete the work that he's done. So that final revelation, and we hear this voice that we hear on the first Sunday of Epiphany. So if you would look that up, you would remember that the first Sunday of Epiphany is the baptism. Right, it's the baptism of Jesus, and as he's coming up out of the Jordan, that voice speaks and says, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Okay? We hear that voice at his baptism. We hear that, you know, that's the, that's the thing. You know, okay, that voice told you that, and now for weeks we've been, we've been hearing more about who he is and now on this last epiphany, it's like if you didn't catch it the first time, God's going to say it once more. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then there's a little extra piece added on there. A little extra piece that requires some active listening. Right? Some attentive listening. That kind of thing where somebody's talking and you and you nod. You know? I, w I was in a, a graduate seminar once and, and these it was, it was a combined sociology and people came from the social work program. And all the social work students would always nod their head at whoever was talking and go, and, and somebody said, Do you agree with all that? But no, 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 that's not what it is. I'm not nodding in agreement. I'm letting that person know that I'm tracking with them. Active listening, right? Repeating back things, making sure the person knows, right? Because listening is not a passive thing. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's an active thing. Listening. We perhaps have a listening deficit in our world. Maybe because there's too much noise coming at us, we shut things down. Have you, have you heard these things? Like people are concerned about like their various smart devices are listening to conversations. Have you heard that? Okay. Like somebody said something about watch out, your microwave is listening to your, con your, your conversations. A little bit confused about what that might be. Now Susan, please just go with this and not say you did not. <laughs> but I was whispering something to Susan the other day. She said, what are you whispering for? And I said, I think Mark Zuckerberg is listening to us. <laughs> and she said, you're like one of those crazy people on Facebook. And I laughed, and Susan laughed, and Alexa laughed, and Siri laughed. <laughs> and we all had a good laugh. We all had a good laugh. And later on that same day after talking about this, 
Susan said, are you even listening to anything I'm saying? And I thought, that's a strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Were you listening? Yeah, were you listening? Yeah. That voice from heaven that says, this is my son. Not just identifying, but also saying something about, listen to him. Listen to him. Meaning not just hear, right? Not just hear, but follow. Not just listen to what he says, but, but look at what he does. Look at what he does. Look at how he lives. Look at how he treats people. And look at what he does. And if you are listening and following, you will be like him. You will be like him. Okay? It's not just seeing. It's like from that letter of James, right? Be not just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Not just hearers, not people who just say, this is what God says, but also people who incorporate that into their way of being, into their lives, to be the true people of God. Not just to hear, not just to listen, but to learn, to learn and to be. So an example of that, just, just to kind of take Jesus as, you know, if you listen to what he, what he says, and we also pay attention to what he does, and we go, now I have to be that too. Here's, here's an example of that. He was traveling once with his disciples. They're going to Jericho. Probably from Jerusalem, but they're headed to Jericho, and as they're on their way to Jericho to do something, Right? It's not like he just had nothing to do and that's why he was going. He had plans. He was going and his entourage are around him. And all the people are going, oh, the, the, the young rabbi's coming and he heard him preach and, and have, you, have you seen him lay hands on people? And he, he makes the blind see and he makes the lame walk and, and, and it's incredible. Let's, and, and the entourage is kind of, we got places to go. You know, Jesus has a revival coming up in Jericho. We're on the road. And there's a blind beggar a blind beggar who cries out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the entourage around Jesus says, Shut up! Be quiet over there! We got important work we're doing. We're going somewhere important. There's an important evangelistic meeting. We got to get Jesus to Jericho. But you see, Jesus listens. He hears. He hears the cries of the poor. And the lonely, and the abused, and the neglected, and the beaten down, and the sad, and the despondent. He hears their cries. He hears that person over the crowd. He hears them. And he doesn't just hear that there's a problem. He responds. He responds. And I love the way he does it. Because he takes that person, the blind man, and he doesn't just look at him and go, oh, well, I see that you're sitting on the road and, and you're poor, you're a beggar, you're blind. Let me give you something that I think you need. Because too many times, I think, when we see a problem in the world or a problem in our families, we think we know what has to be done. We think we know what the poor need. We think we know what these people mean. 
And we're going to come in like we're the cavalry or something. We're going to save them from themselves. And we're not going to listen. We're not going to listen. Jesus takes that blind beggar and doesn't just say, oh yeah, I see you're blind. Here, boom, be well. Here's five bucks. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He asks him. He asks him, what, what, can I, what do you want? What can I do for you? What do you want? What can I do for you? See, because part of this is when we hear the cries of those who are in need, to respect their dignity. To not just impose some solution on them, but to actually engage in conversation with them, to listen to them. Because that's what Christ does for all of us. If we're going to listen and we're going to be like him, being not just hearers but doers, that doing part is to stop, put aside your wherever it was you were going, your important plans, the things that you thought you were going to get done that day, you know what? Sometimes those things don't get done because there's somebody in need. And you got to stop the caravan and go, okay, this person needs something. God put me here. And rather than say, God, will you take care of that person? God looks at you and says, yeah, that's why I made you. That's why you're here. I did send help. And you're it. And when you stop and you listen, you'll hear all the needs of the world. And then the response is not to simply say, let me give a quick fix here, write a check. We love your checks, by the way. Right? Keep those coming. <laughs> but not to make that the extent of the way we help people who are in need. But to actually go to those people and to listen to them. And that's what Jesus did. What would you have me do for you? And the guy said, I want to see you again. And Jesus laid his hands on him. Laid his hands on him. Actually got close enough to somebody who was hurting and said, you know, I'm right here with you, buddy. And I will lay hands on you. That's how close I will get to those who are hurting. I will hear and I will be there. And that is what he does. And that is what he does. Listen to him means be like him, live like him, do like him. Be present with those who are hurt. And if any of this gets to be where I'm not quite sure what to do, you know, he really simplified things for us. It's a real simple thing where you go, what would Jesus do? And what did he tell us? Always, it's the same thing. Love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Do it over and over and over again. See, I think in his coming to us, in God coming to us, in Jesus, in his life, in his ministry, I think the more he loved us, the more he loved us. Do you get it? The more he loved us, the more he came to know us in our messed upness and came and laid his hands on us and healed us and asked us, what do you want? And learned about us and loved us in spite of ourselves. The more he loved us, the more he loved us. See, because I think love feeds back on itself and amplifies itself. Love is transformative if it's love from God. <coughs> loving people makes you more loving. And I see that in Jesus because I, I, I look at what happened to him in his life. I believe what happened to him. 
He gathered some dear friends. I think he had a very special relationship with his disciples. And what did they do? Peter, perhaps his closest friend, betrayed him. He betrayed him. You're going to hear about that in the weeks coming, right up to, to the Easter resurrection. You're going to hear about his best friend denying him, bailing on him to save himself. And what did Jesus do? He loved him. He loved him. <laughs> he found him out fishing and restored him. Gave him a chance to say, and he asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter's able to say, yeah, I, I, really, I really do. You do that when you love someone. You give them another chance. You forgive and you give them another chance. And you only get to the point of being able to do that when somebody betrays you because you practice that. You practice it. Falsely accused, falsely convicted, beaten, and nailed to a cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. I think it's because he's forgiven those people so many times already. That's what he does. That's the love of God. It amplifies itself by being practiced and exercised. And then when the resurrection happens, and he goes back and he finds all of them hiding, right? They're all hiding and they think a ghost has come to haunt them. Like, oh no, he's going to get us now. He says, peace be with you. I love you. I love you. Because I think that practice of love is what expands that love. That's his way. And if we listen, we'll make it ours. The story of a man who thought that his marriage had come to an end didn't really have anything huge to point to. It wasn't like wife was unfaithful or, or anything like that. Just kind of, you know, I've lost that love and feeling. Sing along. Okay? <laughs> lost that love and feeling. And just kind of, you know, um, found all kinds of things about his spouse that were just kind of annoying and, and just really didn't, didn't want to be with that person ever, anymore. You know, it was just, just done. It was dead. Went to see a counselor to talk about this and said, you know, I, I, I really think I really think I need a divorce. And the counselor said, okay, so here's what I want you to do. Um, yeah, I can help you with that, but here's what I want you to do first. For the next month, for the next month, I want you to love your wife as fiercely as you can. Every small thing I want you to praise. Praise her nose, praise her eyes, praise her freckles, praise her rolls. <laughs> praise her cooking, praise her housekeeping, everything. What she says and what she doesn't say, how she sleeps, how she snores, everything. I want you just to gush over her. So the guy went away saying, um, this makes no sense at all, but yeah, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give that a try. So a whole month went by, and he was expecting that person to kind of come back and go, yeah, okay, I want my divorce now. <laughs> the guy didn't come back. So the therapist counselor called him up and, and, and said, so um, you, you, missed your, you missed your appointment. You're supposed to come to see me. We're going to talk about your divorce. The guy said, you got to be crazy. I love that woman. <laughs> I love that woman. See, because I think that's the thing that we need to practice. Jesus says, love your neighbor, love your spouse. 
Love your friends. Love, love your family. Love your children, no matter who they are. If it's really hard, start where you are. And love them fiercely. Find something about them. So you go, I love that. Love that about you. Let me keep saying it. I love that about you. I love you. And what I think you might find in the end is, you know what? They actually do. I think I actually do. He says, love God with everything you have. Do that for each other. Do that for each other. Do that for the people around you. Maybe it's somebody that you don't think you love so much right now. Try that. You have 30 days worth. 30 days worth. Let me know how that goes. God's blessings be with you. Amen. Amen.